0: I said, hey everybody, I said, ho everybody, I said, hi there, screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 20, and tonight, the crapshoot returns, and we're going on a scavenger hunt of horror when I check out Red Hook. And then Bradford and I learn a ghastly morality tale when our cards are read by the fortune teller. Well, I may not know what's in the cards for me, but the spirits are telling me that for the next hour or so, you are going to be laughing your head off and having a great time right here on Scream Queens, the podcast where heart gets bent. So don't you go anywhere? Because we're starting now, baby. Yeah. Christmas comes
1: on you, no no we see.
0: Hi there, this is Patrick from the Scream Queens Horror Podcast, but... You already know that because you're listening right now. Well, I just want to take a moment to shamelessly plug myself. Not like that, you pigs, like this. I'm going to be performing with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus in their holiday spectacular, otherwise known as Sing Your Brass Off, which is going to be an evening of holiday fun and surprises for chorus and brass starring the incomparable Tony nominee and Emmy Award winning Liz Calloway. The evening will feature holiday favorites and an eclectic blend of choral music, a ...accompanied by a vibrant brass ensemble. From Big band to Bollywood. That's right, we're going Bollywood. We got glitter, we got finger cymbal thingies... Hell, we might even be riding elephants. I don't know yet. But regardless of what we're doing, this year's concert is going to blow the roof off of Town Hall. So on Sunday, December 19, 2010, I would be honored if you would join me and my chorus family at Town Hall, which is at 123 West 43rd Street, right here in New York City. we got two shows at 3 and 8 p.m. Now, I know a lot of you don't live in the area, but I know some of you might be coming in for the holidays, or you got relatives that live here. And what better gift than to give them tickets to see me and Liz Calloway. Tickets go from $40 to $80, but I was able to wrangle up a special discount for members of my Scream Queens family. So if you head on over to www.nycgmc.org, you can save 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code NYCGMCBRASS. brass so don't have an excuse. I want to see your brass at the concert. Happy Ho-Hos! everybody glad to have you all back and uh welcome to all you new folks too uh since this show has been nominated for the best glbt podcast award i gotta say the traffic has gone through the roof and it's great to have you all checking out the show I hope you like it. I hope you stay for a while. And thank you to all of you out there who've been voting your little butts off over at www.podcastawards.com. Because like I said, this little queen ain't going down without a fight. And I can't do it without y'all. So keep it up. We still got a few days left. You have until December 15th. You can vote every single day, once a day until then. So please do that. Vote for me, vote for me, vote for me. Or I'll unleash my flying monkeys. All gay men have flying monkeys. Don't you know that? shut up oh and anyway if you're not following me already on twitter please do so uh you can follow me at screamqueens.com. that's queens with a z because if you're following me there you'll find the instructions to give you the chance to win all about evil on dvd right remember all the way back to episode two when i reviewed peaches christ splatacular horror comedy and recommended it at the wazoo well it's out on dvd and you can win it Or if you don't want to win it, head on over to www.peacheschrist.com and buy one of your own. Damn it. Because it's awesome. And I said so. But why not win it anyway? Vote for me and win. Is that a bribe? Absolutely. So what's been going on in Patrick World this week, aside from voting mania? Well, first of all, the cats are battling behind me, so pay no attention to that. Yes, it's the cats battling behind me. It's not Mr. Brad trying to get out of his chains. Really. Oh, you might hear some other noise this week while we're recording, because the apartment we live in has... Heat. And when you have steam heat in your apartment, it makes noises. So just to let you know, there's nothing wrong with the recording. There's nothing wrong, wrong with your earpiece. It's just the steam heat. So please just ignore the steam And we'll all be fine. I gotta tell you, this week I've been having nightmares. I never have nightmares, but I've been having these crazy, crazy, crazy dreams. Most of them are this apocalyptic kind of thing. And I've been waking up screaming a couple of nights, and I never do that. And Mr. Brad is just thrilled about that. But just last night, I had this one, the weirdest one of all. It was, I don't know, it was some act of terrorism. And they released some kind of virus that was driving people mad. And the world was heartbroken, and I was heartbroken, because the previous evening... Our good friend, Carmine Ragusa, was eaten by his girlfriend. She was driven mad by the virus and she ate him. Yeah, the actor who played Carmine Ragusa on Laverne and Shirley was eaten by his girlfriend. And I was torn up. I was ready to enlist in the service to go defend the death of poor Tony played Carmine Ragusa on Laverne and Shirley and the world was bereft and notice I'm saying Tony played Carmine Ragusa because I know damn well Eddie Mecca played Ed- Ed- Carmine Ragusa on Laverne and Shirley but in my dream it was Tony hey I'm Tony I played Carmine Ragusa I don't know why I'm dreaming about him I kind of know him I'm like one degree of separation from him a friend of mine did like summer stock with him a few years ago and apparently all Eddie Mecca, ta- all Eddie Mecca could talk about is his glory days and he was getting all the poontang when he was the big ragu but why am I dreaming about it, you, Big Ragu? I blame you, Mark from Laverne, California. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. So I'm on the subway the other day. I'm coming home from my chorus rehearsal, you know, for the concert that you just heard promoted. And there are these two lesbians on the train. Now, of course, I might just be assuming that they're lesbians, but they were, come on. It's the village and you can tell. And the thing about these lesbians, they were identical. It was spooky. They both look like Velma, like you ran Velma through a photocopier and there she was. Granted, they weren't wearing the sweater sweater and the miniskirt, but basically it was Velma from Scooby-Doo times two on the train. Now, the train's really crowded, and I just have me glancing around like you do on the train. And for a split second, I locked eyes with Twin Lesbian on the right, who then went ballistic. She says, do you mind not ogling me just because I have my breast out and I'm feeding my baby? It's a perfectly natural act, you pig. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't even have enough time to register any of that. But now that you mentioned it, now I am staring at the baby that's suckling at your teat. And now everybody on the train is staring at me staring at your teat. And I just want to say, bitch, back off. Back off. I, of all people, had no interest in staring at your teat. Or at the other Velma's teat. Relax. Relax. I realize you might be uppity because you have your titty out in a public place, which I fully support. I have no problem with that. It's a perfectly natural, beautiful act. Being an asshole? Not so much. Fuck you, Velma, and fuck you, other Velma. I hope that baby's lactose intolerant and pukes your titty milk right back up all over you, which it eh, probably already has because that's what babies do, so it's really not much of a curse. Anyway, moving along. So I was hoping Mr. Bradford would be joining me for part of the recording today, but he's extremely busy with some uh, financial stuff, so he's not going to be able to join it because we were in Wendy's yesterday, and... um online, all of a sudden he pokes me and he gestures with his head, there's this woman sitting by the window, this older woman who had this hairdo that was unbelievable, like it was rock solid, like sprayed within an inch of its life, you know, all big and bouffant and you know, like if you went up and knocked on it, it'd be like, clank, 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 clank and so of course I can't help but staring, and then the woman looks up from her sandwich and she had a face like large margin, like, mmm, like not a friendly looking woman at she looked really pissed off. She's sitting across from some old man who I presume is her husband. I said to Mr. Bradford, I'm like, oh, I bet he didn't notice. Brad's like, what do you mean? I'm like, she just got her hair done, and I bet he didn't notice. She's like, I just spent four hours in the chair, and he takes me to Wendy's. God damn it. That's the look she had on her face. And now, of course, all I can do is stare at her. Every time the line turns, I'm like, whoop, there she is. Whoop, there she is. And every time the face gets meaner, mmm, And Bradford goes, you know what? We should walk by and just... Blow a handful of glitter right in that hair. I look at him and I see, You're evil. You're evil because the way it, the cement that, ha- that was in that hair, that glitter would be in there forever. Glitter stays as it is anyway, but that glitter would be like encased, like at Pompeii. It would be a very mean thing to do. So, of course, I'm fascinated by it. Just wandering by going, Merry Christmas. <sighs> fairy dust. Sorry, we do that sometimes. You know, homosexuals just give off fairy dust. Can't help it. It's like farting. It's a beautiful natural act. Sorry, ma'am. So it's finally time to sit down. I said to Brad, I'm like, we have to sit on the other side of the restaurant behind this potted plant because if I sit anywhere within sight of her, I'm going to stare at her uncontrollably the whole time. So we did that, and it was great. And what's great about our neighborhood, for some reason, it's stuck in 1984. and every three feet, there's a unisex beauty parlor. Notice I do not say hair salon. I say beauty parlor because that's what they all say on the sign. And you know she got her hair di- her hair did in one of these. And there's one in particular, it's called Diana's. We're fascinated by this woman. We walk past there all the time, look in the window. There's never anybody in there. But there's this shriveled old woman in there who runs the place. She's normally playing solitaire or watching TV and smoking. The one time we passed, there's this woman in there getting a blue rinse, and it's
2: blue.
0: And just like this woman's hair, like really piled high and really just rock hard solid. And the woman, and Diana, presumably, is spraying on the hairspray Shhh, with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. I'm like, Oh my god! This beauty parlor is a death trap! So, of course, naturally, being the evil homosexuals that we are, it's an obsession. We make up stories about her and her clients all the time. So, in my mind, the woman at Wendy's went to Diana's, which is my favorite unisex beauty parlor in town. Followed only by Peter's hair impressions, because I think that's such an absurd name for a salon, because I just want to fling the door open and go, Hey, Peter! Did Jimmy Durante? And then leave. Because I know nobody would get it. You're probably not getting it right now. But it's called hair impression. So I want Peter to all of a sudden start going, I think I ink I a ding I Odds of that happening, virtually minimal. But you know what? The entertainment it would bring to me is endless. And that's all that's important. That's all that's important. God damn it. That's not true. You know what's important? Giving this show to you, my beloved listeners. So why do I stop babbling and get down to it? Right after this.
3: The whole world is dead. The small town of Lakewood has been overrun by the walking dead. In a single night, the world has descended into a madness of biting teeth and a sickness that kills but does not kill. Caught at the center of it is Angie Land, young single mother and nurse's aide at Lakewood Memorial Hospital. She and a handful of others are lucky enough to survive the initial assault. But how long will they last? And more importantly to Angie, how long will her children, waiting at home, survive? This is your good old Dr. Puss from Library of the Living Dead Press. And we have a new book available called Lakewood Memorial by Robert R. Best. It's book one of a zombie trilogy. That would be three books for those of you in the unknown. And it is available now at Amazon.com for $14.95. This is an incredible book full of great zombie action and great personal courage. It's a book to be read and enjoyed by you, the fan of the zombie genre, but also by you, the fan of a well-written novel. Available now at Amazon.com. Lakewood Memorial by Robert R. Best. Buy it now. Because the whole world is dead.
0: Hold on to your pampers, bitch-asses. It's time for the crapshoot. Hold <laughs> oh? Paul. Paul. Oh. Ew. 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 Ugh, ugh, ugh. Ugh. Now, for those of you who are listening for the first time, the crapshoot is when I dive headfirst into the vast sea of directed DVD horror movie releases in search of that diamond in the shit pile. And this week, we're taking a look at a Manhattan-based slasher movie called Red Hook. Let's find out all about it in this conveniently packaged trailer. Neat.
1: You are Ellen Trailer's sister, right?
2: First time away from home. Hey, New York can be, you know, intense. Give it a few weeks. It'll love you back. And why should I trust you? There's still time to sign up for the scavenger hunt. You'll make new friends. And if you win, you'll erase your whole paranoid reputation. Did you really want to go on that scavenger hunt? With you. Welcome everyone to the 12 to 12 scavenger hunt. Somebody's been following me around since the day that I got here. I intentionally matched all of the clues with each person in the game. I really think that Gavin is in trouble. Find
3: the final, final, final destination. Do you have any ideas? The destination is the clue.
1: Some people are just too
0: high-strung. Okay, so that's Red Hook. You know what, I saw this trailer and I got really excited because I love slasher movies, I love scavenger hunts, and apparently this has a lot of Broadway people involved in it, so this sounds like it's gonna be a fun ride! And that trailer sounded really exciting! You know what, I can't even hold back. This movie is a total piece of fucking garbage! All y'all who've been saying that I've been way too nice on movies lately, get ready because my gloves are coming off. This movie made me angry. I mean, I normally get angry at bad movies, but this got me really, really fucking angry on so many goddamn levels. It's not even funny. I don't even know where to start. I cannot think of a more ineptly made movie. It's a slasher movie! These aren't that hard to pull off, yet this person apparently has no idea what the horror genre is about, no idea what the comedy genre is about, because if it's trying to be funny, which I think it is, it's not at all. Ah, uh, It's just awful! Now, it's supposed to be the story about this girl who's going off to college, and you know, she's got some weird, kind of nondescript phobia, mental problems that have been caused because, as a child, she witnessed her sister getting killed by the Pine Oak Slasher which really could you come up with a more generic name. Basically, she was being watched by her sister. You know, the sister put her to bed. Somebody rings the doorbell. There's a cop at the door saying, hello, have you locked the doors? The Pine Oak is on the loose. But da da the policeman's really the Slasher. Oh, my God. Now, really, I'm just going to stop here for a moment because there was no reason to introduce the Pine Oak Slasher here because this character never comes back again. It could have just been some random attack. And not needs to add a backstory because now I'm more interested in the Pine Oak Slasher. I'm like, what's his M.O.? Who's he targeting? How long has this been going on? Well, as far as what he's targeting, I don't know. But apparently, based on what you see in this scene, he's killing people who have really bad wood paneling on the walls in their home. But the kid comes downstairs, sees her sister being attacked by this maniac. Yeah, does nothing. Just kind of turns around and goes back upstairs. The sister gets dragged out onto the lawn and she gets stabbed to death in the grass. Oh, I'm sorry. That's really not true. The grass gets stabbed next to her. It's really obvious that this knife is coming nowhere near this actress's body. And then, even worse, when they finally pull away and you can see, like, they show her torso, there's no holes in the sweater at all. There's no tears. It's still pristine. It's just red. I hate that. hate that. Lazy filmmaking. But meanwhile, the little girl's upstairs in the window, just watching, still continuing to do nothing. Not calling for help, even though the phone is really right next to her, not doing anything. And even though she does nothing, somehow the police arrived, and they shoot the guy dead, and this has led to the main character, or Jenny's vague unspecified mental problems because apparently she's afraid of going outside now, which they do nothing to confirm or support. They bring it up when they need to bring it up and then forget about it other times. It's just dumb. Like I said, we're arriving now, seeing this girl going to college. Now, first of all, here's another pet peeve. The movie's been on for 30 seconds and I'm already angry. They, my problem here was the difference in casting between the child... And the, uh, uh, the grown-up character. No, I know this is difficult. It's difficult to find kids that look like your actress. But they didn't even try here. This girl, when she grew up, looked like she got a nose job in the wrong direction. Like her nose grew exponentially inside with the res- in size with the rest of her body. And plus, when she grew up, she looks like Lucas Haas in drag. You know, from Witness. Yeah, it's like all gangly and big ears and elf face. And Plus, she seems to have developed fetal alcohol syndrome. Because her eyes are so wide set apart, they're pretty much on the sides of her head. I'm not saying that I'm making this sound unattractive, and it's really not that unattractive, but it just was such a shocking difference from the little girl that you see at the beginning that I was irritated. This movie got off on the wrong foot with me, so I'm bristling in anything at this point. Okay, the opening credits haven't even rolled yet. And when they do, I get even more pissed off. Because they're showing her arriving in Manhattan, and she's riding around town in a taxi. I don't know where the fuck she was going, but the taxi bill must have been like $17,000. Because she's all over fucking town. They show her passing all these landmarks and you know major attraction sites. Things that are really recognizable. Things that everybody knows, even if you're not in town. And things that are nowhere remotely near each other. It would have taken nine hours to do this route. Especially if it was rush hour. Then it would be 12 hours. Now she's in Columbus Circle. Then she's in Times Square. Then she's at Lincoln Center going north on the street. The next shot, she's in the Garment District. going Which is in the south. Going in the completely opposite different direction. And she's at Grand Central. She's at Grant's Tomb. She's in Central Park. She's all over the fucking place. So clearly, whoever picked her up at the airport, knew that she was a tourist, said, Oh my gosh, I have Lucas Haas in the cab. Let's keep him in as long as possible. But apparently, the reason why we have this really long montage of her arriving in New York is that you have a chance to enjoy all of the opening music. Oh, God, I'm stealing this from, Kelly from, Night of the Liv- from uh, Kelly from Night of the Living Podcast, because when he reviewed this movie, he called this music that keeps popping up relentlessly throughout the film mid-90s-style Dawson's Creek chick music, which is, yeah, that's exactly it. It doesn't fit the tone of the movie at all, and clearly someone's just trying to sell their cabaret CD, which is exactly what's happening, but I'll come back to that later. So yeah, After about this five-minute montage... With this wailing, I'm in love with you, and this is the city, I'm free, and we're going to be a woman at last. I'm just making that up, but that's the kind of shit you're dealt with. Finally, she gets out of the cab, and I'm like, oh, thank the Lord. And like most slasher movies, everybody she meets at college is a complete tool. But the thing is, they're not your usual complete tools, because I'm not sure if this these characters are supposed to be funny or not. Or if they're just badly written or both. I mean, they're all generic. I don't know anybody's names except for her roommate, Angela. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Angela because she's a theater major. So that's all she talks about. And you know, she's a theater major, a musical theater major because she's singing all the time. And you know what she's singing? More of the goddamn songs of the fucking soundtrack. Anyway, this is supposed to be a slasher movie. Eventually, we're introduced to this concept of the scavenger hunt that the RA is having for the hall for people to get to know each other, which makes no sense because of a scavenger hunt, scavenger hunt, you split up. But whatever, not the point. I'm excited. I like scavenger hunts. I like slasher movies. These things, these two things, should be going together. However, we never get to the goddamn slasher movie for like another forty-five minutes. Instead, we're treated to all this angst. I'm afraid to go outside. I'm afraid if I go outside, I'm going to die. Except you're always outside. This is a really weird scene where she's standing by the door. By the door, I'm looking at the window. And I'm just thinking she's looking at the window. And the uh, Princess Bimbo Ho character comes by and she's like, What, are you afraid to go outside? And her Draco boy, boyfriend's like, oh, what a lunatic. I'm like, why on earth would you say that? It looks like she's just looking outside. I realize this is a vaguely defined social phobia that we're trying to introduce here, but I don't know how you would have spot that from the back. But Whatever. Whatever. And from here on in, we realize all these other characters are going to be a complete waste of time. Until she meets her boyfriend character. Oh, he's so sweet, and he's so sensitive, and he understands her problems and her fears, because he lost his boyfriend in 9-11. His his boyfriend? His brother in 9-11? He might have lost his boyfriend, too. I don't know. But instead of going right into the scavenger hunt or anything interesting, we're treated to excruciating dating scenes. Excruciating. And nonsensical. I mean, they had their first date together, and the only thing you see at the date is them going to a deli. They're in the deli for about 30 seconds, which, by the way, has like 25 people in it. And and somebody comes in with a gun and holds the place up, and people get shot, and they die. No, not the annoying dating couple, just some deli customers, unfortunately. You know, like, happens in New York all the time. I mean, I can't go outside without seeing somebody get shot. I just went to the CVS now to pick up a prescription, and there was a woman getting gang-raped in the first aid aisle. And, you know, had to step around her. It was really awkward. It tied up the lines trying to get out. Anyway, there's more awkward dating, and, you know, this, this RA keeps pushing this scavenger hunt, which nobody's signing up for. And I'm like, somebody sign up for the fucking scavenger hunt? That's where the movie's gonna start! Eventually, he bribes everybody with, um, white stripes tickets, and ooh, they jump like like it's crack. Jump it like it's crack. But is it starting it? no, because you have to have more angsty dating scenes where her and her boyfriend look at each other with sensitive eyes, and she's like... Do you really want to go on the scavenger hunt? say, he's like, I'll go on the scavenger hunt, but I only want to do it with you. And she's like, oh, you're so understanding and sensitive. Oh, my gosh. Let's do it. I mean the scavenger hunt. Yeah, because if you think you're getting sex in this movie, you're not getting any. All this is underscored with more of that Dawson's Creek music. We just met two days ago, but I love you like it's forever. I want you to go on the hunt with me, and I'm going to give you lots of pleasure. Shut up! Start the fucking movie! FINALLY! It's the day of the scavenger hunt! I'm like, NOW it's gonna get interesting! No, now it gets confusing, because this scavenger hunt makes no sense. On paper, it does. They have 12 hours to solve 12 clues It's gonna take them all around the city, the fi- all five boroughs, allegedly, and finally lead to one final destination. They have to get there before the clock runs out, and if they do, they get the tickets. Sounds simple enough? Okay, because it's the last time anything's gonna sound simple. Because now they're all broken up into teams of two, but now all the clues have been individually tailored to each individual character! And their likes and their needs and and, and habits and stuff which makes no sense because they're all freshmen and they've been there a week and no one's gonna know this stuff yet regardless they'll be getting the clues for the scavenger hunt via text message because that's so modern and everything you know the ra tim tells him yes you're gonna be getting text messages from my code name red hook and when you find the items you have to take a picture of them and send them back to me and then you'll get your next clue from red hook and now we all split up to go on our merry wave but before we split up we're treated to more montages of major landmarks of New York City, interspersed with the places that they are going to be going on the scavenger hunt. This is something that really annoys me with this film, too. If I'm watching a scavenger hunt movie, I want to be able to play along at home. However, this movie doesn't know what it's, who it's for or what its audience is because it seems to be catering to people in New York because all the places that they pick are places only people in New York would know about, like the, the duplex or, or the rambles or, or just Hell's Gate, things like that. Tourists aren't going to know this stuff. If you live out of town, you're not going to know this stuff. So you're not going to figure out the clues. So if you're not from town, you can't play along because there's nowhere you're going to know the answer. But if you're from in town, they've made the answer so easy, you don't want to play along. So fuck you. However, if you're playing along at home, they already they show you all the locations before you get the clues. So you already know where they're going. So you're always, 12 steps ahead, you're always 10 steps ahead of these fucking moron characters. And then when you get to these places, it's not those places. For instance, Angela. You know, the theater manager. She gets sent to the duplex. Now, the duplex is a famous cabaret club. Uh, Down in the village, it's a great place to hang out, and they have fantastic margaritas. But that's not the point right now. She has to go during the day, and her clue is some song. She finds the song, she has to get a videotape of her singing the song. So, we have to get listen to this bitch sing some more. Okay, as if this wasn't obnoxious and annoying enough as it is, I recognize that they're in the upstairs bar of the duplex. However, there's no piano in the upstairs bar of the duplex. Those of you sitting at home are going, who the fuck cares? I care! The team with the bimbo Ho, they have to go to the Rambles and find a used condom. Now, if you don't live in New York City, you might not know that the Rambles is an infamous, infamous gay cruising spot in Central Park. That back in the 70s and 80s was a fuckfest all the time. So the fact that you're going in there to be sending kids in there to find a used condom to pick up and take a picture of, it's just gross. And even from the slasher standpoint, you're trying to kill these people or give them hepatitis C whatever anyway we're just loaded with more bullshit upon bullshit upon bullshit and eventually after an hour and 10 minutes the killings start and they're all off screen and all believability whatever believability this movie had left goes right out the fucking window because apparently you can murder people in totally public places brutally with blood everywhere and no one will notice and no one will find the bodies, and apparently, this person is moving these bodies, you know, he's hauling corpses all around Manhattan, midtown Manhattan, in the middle of the day, and nobody's noticing. This one girl, Angela, she gets killed at the drama bookshop, in front of the drama bookshop, and they show it like it's deserted. This is on a major street, no matter what time it is, there's going to be 9,000 people on that street. Fuck you, you think I'm stupid. Anyway, these you know, eventually, they start to figure out that, you know, Tim's no longer sending in the text messages that Something wrong is going on. And they figure out the other people are being killed. And the thing... Who the fuck cares at this point? It's such bullshit. And it's one of these movies where everybody dies because of this one girl, Jenny. You know, the killer doesn't really want to kill anybody. He wants her, but kills everybody else anyway. And I hate these kind of movies because these other kids didn't do anything wrong. And plus, to make it worse... All the other ones are like, you know, we really should call the police, we really should do something. And she's the one going, no, we can't. So she got everybody killed. Fuck you, bitch. Fuck you and your fucking Lucas Haas face. And come on, throughout the whole goddamn movie, these people are walking around in Manhattan going, I can't get a signal. Does anybody have a signal? I can't get a signal. You're in fucking Manhattan. How can you not get a signal? You're not in the woods. You're not even on Staten Island, for God's sake. But goddamn it. You can get a signal underground now. as far as these characters go, they're horrible. Horrible people. All these girls are bitches in a weird kind of way, horribly active, and all the guys are pussy whipped. Completely pussy whipped. I don't even know anybody's names. I did enjoy the predatory lesbian, though, but I love predatory lesbians, but that's not the point. The one Indian character. There's one Indian character among the guys. The first time you meet him, he's wearing a t-shirt that says, No worry, brown curry. As if you get, in case you didn't catch the fact that he was Indian, you get no hurry, Brown Curry. Fuck you! Who the fuck did you make this movie for? Did you make this movie for someone who's not even not seen a horror movie before, but ever seen a movie? Because there's no fucking coherent plot. Oh, by the way, Red Hook, the code name. they finally get the clue that, oh, the final destination is in the clue, which means that's Red Hook. And if you live in New York, you know, that's a section of Brooklyn, which I knew at the beginning when I watched the movie. I'm like, Brooklyn? Then at the end when it was Brooklyn, I'm like, okay, it's Brooklyn. But then they wind up at some specific place, like some weird alley behind a bar. I'm like, how did you get there? How did you get that from Red Hook? It's a huge area. Fuck you! 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 And Terrence Mann is in this movie. Terrence Mann is a Broadway legend. You know, he was the original Rum Tum Tugger in Cats. He was the original Javert in Les Miserables, the American version. He was for genre fans, he was in all the critters movies. He was the rock star, alien, bounty hunter dude. He must needed Coke money in this. You know, for soda. Because he's, he's just useless, and uh, fuck this fucking movie. Do not rent this goddamn movie. This movie made me so mad that I told my friend Owen about it. You know, Owen, who eventually is going to come on the show and talk about Carrie and Buffy and all that stuff. He goes, oh, I recognize that girl's name, this director. She's the one who wrote that musical we went to see at the music festival last year. I'm like, the one with the vampires? Yeah, this bitch wrote a vampire musical called The Cure. Which was like it was out of the 90s. You know, all the vampires wore black leather like they do. Everybody sang like they were in a back alley production of Rent. The band was so loud that he couldn't understand the music. And it was one of the most painful experiences I ever sat through. Because you know what? If you have actors with fangs in their mouth, it's really hard for them to sing. For so all the thorns from the day of the time we we're singing around the thought teeth. So fuck you for the cure. Fuck you for Red Hook. And oh, by the way, do not be fooled. Do not be fooled by the cover art for this. The cover art shows the uh, shows um, a woman screaming, I guess. She's got this zombie-looking hand clamped over her mouth. Her eyes are all whited out. And she's got a bloody knife held up to her eyes with unrated slashed across her forehead. Nothing like this remotely happens. This is such generic bullshit. Nothing to do with the movie at all. Let's buy this clip art. DVD cover crap. You can stick this movie up your ass, everybody who was involved with this. Oh, by the way, they tried to sell this shit when it came out and did some homework. They did did a cabaret show called Broadway Scares, where they sold the the CD and they screened the movie. Fuck you. There's a couple of Broadway people in this like like Terrence Mann, a couple people in very, very small roles. But the thing is, they tried to make it sound like a charity auction because Broadway Cares is one of the leading AIDS organizations. Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And you know they have fundraisers like Broadway Bears, which is a uh, Broadway, uh, which is a is a burlesque show, strip show. You might have been fooled into thinking you were giving money to AIDS instead. You get slapped with a fucking CD of this crappy mid '90s Dawson's Creek angsty chick shit music. Oh my god, I think I popped a blood vessel in my brain. <sighs> oh. yeah, Red Hook's crap. Move along. Thank you. Nothing to see here. So last week, I was invited to see a production called The Fortune Teller, which was being put on by the Phantom Limb Company. Initially, I was not particularly interested. I said, okay, I don't really need to see any more theater tonight. And then this guy, Rich, who runs the Dark Side meetup group, which is not the horror movie meetup group. Some completely different meetup group. Anyway, he said, well, you know this show, The Fortune Teller, it's an evil puppet show. And I said, excuse me? He said, it's an evil puppet. I'm in! That's how that went. I'm a sucker for puppets. Evil puppets even more. It just sounded ghoulish. I looked at some of the pictures online. I said, this is a must-see. So I gingerly go into the other room to invite Mr. Bread. And I have to give him credit because I'm always gingerly walking into the other room and asking him to go to some freaky thing or another. And he's always such a good sport. He always just looks at me with the same look, contemplates the whole thing for a moment, and goes, all right. And you know what? Joining us here tonight to talk about the Phantom Limbs fortune teller is Mr. Brad. All right. All right, indeed. Yes, yeah, so what did you think when I told you about this show?
2: What I usually think, what am I getting myself into, (laughs) is this going to gross me out, or is this going to be fun, and then join in, and it's usually a good time, and I had a great time. Good, good, and we're
0: happy that, I'm happy that you went, I don't know about the other people, but fuck them. Anyway, now of course, knowing me, as you do by now, I can't just talk about what we went to see by itself, I have to talk about the whole experience around it. What did we do before that?
2: We went to the place before the pub. I don't remember going anywhere before the pub. So we went. the pub was the middle thing. We went someplace else. I don't remember Shopping, the way. or was it?
0: We might have gone shopping.
2: No, no. it was some other. <laughs> Are
0: you getting all this? <laughs> save
2: me. Save me.
0: <laughs> anyway, I just remember us coming up from the subway. No, yeah, but it,
2: we were over on the east side. It was a Carlo thing, or it's not a Carlo thing, but it was something like
0: I just have to let you all know that I had to stop the tape for a moment because I farted and it smelled really, really bad and Brad had to leave. We'll continue in a moment. Okay, the fart has cleared. Now, I had, had a previous engagement that evening. I was going to be performing down at South Street Seaport because uh, the Gay Men's Chorus were doing a little mini Christmas caroling concert, you know, to strike up some buzz and do some community service. That makes it sound like we're lawbreakers, but you know what I mean. So, Mr. Brad was good enough to meet me down there at like 6 o'clock. And, of course, being the seaport, it's on the river. Which means... In the cold. Really fucking cold. Now, of course, I'm up there on the stage lights, so I'm perfectly warm. But Mr. Brad's out there for both shows, freezing his little head off. Knees knocking. Knees knocking. (laughs) It's true. And he was trying to take video. He was trying to take video of the concert, but nothing came out because his hands were shaking so much. It looked like he was caroling in an earthquake. Anyways, (laughs) now we have to walk all the way over to the other side of town to get to this um, restaurant, bar, pub thing where we're meeting the the meetup group. And I have a vague idea of where it is. Oh, it's on 6th Avenue. It should be easy to find. It turns out it's not easy to find. It's right where the entrance for the Holland Tunnel is. And things get weird right there. It's hard to cross streets. And it's deserted over there. So you can't ask anybody. It's really industrial. And I'm mortified because, see... Bradford and I seem to have this tradition. Every now and then, we'll go wandering off to some new theater and get completely lost, and it's three degrees. And he's bellyaching. He's like, Mama, you're so cold. out, have been standing out in this room for hours and hours and hours.
2: This is my way of just really saying, I love you. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and he loved me very, 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 very much for about 18 blocks. When we finally get to the pub, and it was such a relief because it had heat. I mean, it wasn't like they had steam heat. But anything felt great And good food. It did have really good food. And uh, most of these people I hadn't met before, so it was we made our entrance, we said our hellos, and then we We went had to cocktails
2: had <laughs> cocktails <laughs> and started scarfing down hot food. Yes.
0: Well, everyone at the bar wondered, "Who are those two?" <laughs> Anyway, it's finally time to head over to the theater. And it's only like two and a half blocks, but it felt like six and a half miles because it was now one degree. So we get to this theater, and it's actually a, normally a performance art space. But as soon as we get in, the woman says, Oh, the, show's, the house isn't open yet, but do have a seat in the lounge and enjoy a glass of wine. <laughs> so Bradford and I said, We like this place. <laughs> never when to turn down wine. never. Never. And so we're actually in there for a while, and since it's a performing art space, they have TVs that are showing this performance art piece, which was clearly German. Not because they were pooping on each other, but it just had a sense of German efficiency to it.
2: I I particularly like when the, the office woman stuck her head under the carpet or
0: crawled in the locker. Yeah, it was weird. all of them had the, it was a series of office scenarios on each TV. it was on a loop, but they're all in different spaces of so this office woman who would come into an office scenario and just do something weird, like roll up herself up in the carpet and roll around for a while, or get you know, get into a garbage bag and like tie it up around her head and just jump Recycle around herself. Just jump around, like wriggle around like a worm, or just hide behind the books in a book. it was fucked up. Which
2: made me think. I was really in for a bad experience when we were going to actually get in to see the show. because I was just afraid of what one might do in a performance space with puppets.
0: Marionette puppets, no less. <laughs> <laughs> and gross. Anyway, it's time to go into the theater. And we sit down. It's a tiny little place. But already I'm enchanted. Because the theater, the, 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 the stage, is this wonderful, creepy, gothic house. Taking up the entire stage. Looking like some dollhouse from hell with a moat in front with a moat in front anyway when the lights finally go down so any doubts of mine about having a fun evening were immediately dispelled when the first puppet comes out and it's a vulture in a usher suit who gives us the cell phone warning i'm like i'm on board the music comes up and it turns out the music for this piece was composed by none other than danny elfman of all the tim burton movies and batman So the overture ended. The front door of the house slowly creeps It's open. And out comes an alligator. In a tux. In a tux.
2: Describing himself as being an attorney. Uh, um.
4: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen.
2: My name
4: is Silas Leach, and I am a lawyer. Tonight's story began many, many years ago, on a cold, dark night in late October, when I was much younger and much more ambitious. The late millionaire industrialist Nathaniel Axe had retained my services as executor of his estate, and I, being young and somewhat green, leapt
0: at the opportunity. See, do you get that part? When he was much greener? Because he's an alligator. Now what I loved about this is that this lawyer is an alligator. Everybody else in this puppet show is a human and nobody seems to notice or care that the lawyer is an alligator. Because why not? Anyway, what now ensues is this wonderfully wicked, playfully macabre evening. Okay, it's hard to describe. It's kind of like Edward Gorey and Tim Burton had sex and had the baby raised by Edgar Allan Poe. That's what this show was. Now, it's all the story about this lawyer who on this dark night has to go to this creepy mansion and read the will from this mysterious millionaire.
4: I was then escorted to a large dining hall where a motley group of characters sat impatiently at a long table. It was a rogues gallery of our city's finest lowlifes. The Hunter... The blacksmith, the banker, the chef, the optometrist, the actor, and the ventriloquist. All in attendance and all hoping to inherit something.
0: I read later that each of the seven guests represented each of the seven sins.
4: I hereby specifically instruct all concerned that a fortune teller herein appointed shall have complete freedom and discretion as to disposal of any and all such property and shall not be subject to question by anyone whomsoever.
0: Right, so all these people have to get their fortune told before they're allowed to get their inheritance. And you know what? Their future's mighty grim. Dum-dum-dum. Dum-dum-dum, indeed. Now, this started to remind me of um, those—there's a a couple of amicus movies from the 70s that I used to love when I was a kid. It reminded me of uh, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors or the original Tales from the Crypt movie. And Mr. Brad is staring at me blankly because he has no idea what I'm talking about, but I know you guys do because they both had people telling the fortune of how your demise was going to come to be. I'm not doing a good job of this. Now, I realize this is more difficult to discuss than I thought it was going to be, so we stopped the tape for a little bit, and Mr. Brad came up with a good idea on how to discuss what goes on in the fortune teller. Right. And what he suggested was that... um, Well, when we first experienced the
2: the puppets, they're all centered around the table, as the will is being read, and then the fortune teller comes in to the center of the table and starts to tell their fortunes one by one. And as each person's fortune is being told, they're, they're pulled out into a side stage with a little vignette
0: about how they're going to die. die. And the death is always fitting their vice. And very comically apropos. Now, you had to have had a favorite. I did. I did. It was the
2: uh, optometrist.
0: The optometrist, yes. And uh, what, what, was, what was his vice?
2: Well, he was a bit of a voyeur. He loved to look through different lenses, had so many different lenses. He dies by looking out his window and seeing a beautiful woman that lights her cigarette. And the light is so
0: intense, it blows him away.
2: But during the course of it... You know, I think, her vagina,
0: I think her vagina exploded. That's what I think actually happened. But please continue. But during the course of the,
2: of Cat. the description, he looks into this big microscope that is focused on the audience. So we get to see this, this very big close up of his face that was very creepy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, I realize all of this is very hard for you to visualize without knowing what, without having seen it. But you know what? You guys can see it. Because when I did a little homework on it, I discovered that the entire show is watchable on Vimeo.com. So if you head on over to Vimeo, V I M as in Mary, E O.com, and do a search on Phantom Limb, Fortune Teller, the whole thing's there, and it's not even a bootleg copy. It's a two-camera thing. It's a professional job. The drawback is the photography's not great. It's either too close or it's too far, and it doesn't have the live audience to give it that oomph, you know, the laughs and everything, but you can see these awesome puppets that we're talking about and the ghoulish little tale that they tell. Anyway, my favorite was... I think the first one, which was the hunter, and he had anger issues. Well, the puppet was great just because he had this bitchin' mustache. I mean, he had a mustache that... What's his, what's his name? What's the diabetes guy's name? Wilfred Brimley. Oh. Yeah, Wilfred Brimley would be coveting this guy's mustache. And he was this great hunter, and he hunted because he hated everything. He hated these animals so much, and a butterfly got into his room, and he was in such an effort to kill his butterfly, he wound up impaling himself on a rhino horn. Like you do. But all in all, they all meet their horrible ends. They all get very mad at the prediction. And then the truth of the fortune teller is revealed, which we're not going to reveal. Because it's so scary. But all in all, it was a really, really fun, fun evening. And what was very cool is, afterwards, we got the opportunity to go backstage and meet the puppets. Puppeteers. And the puppets. I wasn't going back to meet the puppeteers. I was going back to meet the damn puppets. And we were shocked at what we saw. They were teeny. Tiny. I don't know how they did this for perspective, but from the audience, everything looked life size. They looked like six foot, five foot tall puppets. All these props looked like everything was teeny tiny, dollhouse size. It was amazing. It was kind of like a manhunt date. You know, you think it's going to be a lot bigger, and then all of a sudden there it is. Wait, did I say that? <laughs> I said that. Well, and everything was in perspective. It was. They had
2: little lanterns about the size of. thimble Mm -hmm. they had hatchets and guns that were no larger than your pinky and it was amazing because you could see this from 10
0: rows back and they looked Mm life-size i i could i when i saw the puppets for the first time backstage i said oh okay where are the real ones but they were the real ones anyway i know the show is on tour i mean not necessarily on tour but it does pop up in different cities i know it, it, it played in la it's played in new york twice it's been in chicago keep your eye out. If you get a chance to see it live, I say go see it. And in the meantime, go check it out on Vimeo. I'll put a link in the show notes. I think about that wraps it up. I think about that wraps it up is what I just said. And when I'm talking like that, it's definitely time to wrap it up. Thank you very much for joining me, Mr. Brad. You're very welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At
4: that point, I must have blacked out. When I finally regained consciousness, I was back here in my library. I never knew what became of any of the guests. After that night, they all seemed to have vanished. But then, I never saw much of them in the first place. To be quite honest, I really don't know how much of what happened that night was for real, or how much was a dream. In fact, I don't even know if there was an Eterniel X, or if there even was a fortune teller. For, if they were real, whom did they serve?
0: possibly led going to an evil puppet show slide without telling you the story of my night in the puppet house of terror this is a true story years ago I was working for a Shakespeare company and uh, we were gonna be doing a whole bunch of stuff in repertory which means we were doing like five plays at the same time so we were going to be in rehearsal forever so I went down to Virginia to to start rehearsals and we couldn't move into our housing right away because the cast that was already out touring was in town, so they were in the housing, blah, 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 blah. So some of us were being put up in bed and breakfasts, and some of us were being put up in private homes, which is what happened to me and my castmate, Preston. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and it's going to sound like incredible exaggeration, which, knowing me, I am prone to, but in this case, I am not exaggerating any of the details, for real. Like, everything was, like, right out of a movie. Had I not been experiencing it, I would not believe a word of the story myself. So that much said, let's get down to it. We finished rehearsal, so it's, like, 11 o'clock at night, and we're supposed to be going to this guy's house that we haven't met yet. And we have the address, and they said he was a local that we're living with, but we're driving and driving and driving. we got to be 45 minutes outside of town where we're rehearsing. And we think we made a wrong turn, and it's pouring rain, but then eventually we see the street sign. We're like, okay, here we are. And... It's not even a road. It's just this dirt path. It's all grown over. And we're driving up very trepidatiously because it's on the side of a hill. And this is in the Shenandoah Valley. So things are mountainous, if you will. So there's was quite a mountain, but it was a very steep hill. And we're driving up the hill. And we're driving up the hill. And we're driving up the hill. We're like, where the f... Is there... No, this is the wrong way. We went the wrong way. There's nothing up here. There's nothing up here. And then all of a sudden, we start to see a light at the top of the hill. And in a flash of lightning, there's the house. And it was... The house you have nightmares about. The house in every gothic horror movie ever. It even had a widow's watch. You know, everything. The wrought wrought iron gate, overgrown landscaping, everything. I have to say, I shat myself. Both of us did. You know in the movie Clue, when Miss Scarlet says to Professor Plum, when they see the house, why is the car stopped? And Professor Plum says, it's scared. That's exactly right. We all went. (gasps) So anyway, we pull up to the house. We go around the back. And there's the old man who owns the house. Maybe 70, bags under the eyes, wearing a maroon smoking jacket. Who the fuck wears a smoking jacket? And his little slippers. Hello, welcome to my house to come in. And we're standing in the kitchen. He's explaining the rules. He's like, we can't have you roaming around the house. It's not safe. We're in the middle of renovations, but we had to put them to a stop because my wife passed away. So I say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. When did she pass? He says, last week. Okay, so this just got really awkward. So he has no business having people in the house, total strangers. So this, we're, I'm already uncomfortable as it is. I continue to say, no, so you, sh- you should just stay in your rooms. And I understand that we have to let you use the kitchen. You can only use it at this time. You know, from 8.15 to 8.30 in the morning. Aside from that, I, we, we can't let anyone know you're here. Can't have you wandering the halls. Okay, so he's showing us to our bedroom, which I don't know. It's somewhere in the east wing. You know, all he needed was a candelabra and a diaphanous gown to be leading us to the bedroom, and it would have been a hammer movie. But um, We walk into the first, the first room we pass into. It's filled with marionette puppets. Huge, well, marionette puppets of every style, like wall to wall. He's like, oh, yes, my wife. I should have told you. My wife was a world-renowned marionettist She designed them, and she toured the world entertaining children for 60 years. These are all of her creations, all of her babies. They're in every room of the house, and they were. Now, a lot of people have problems with clowns. They're afraid of clowns. I don't like clowns. I'm not afraid of clowns. Puppets give me the Wiggins, and rooms full of puppets freak me the fuck out. We finally get to our bedroom up in the tower. <laughs> it's like the bathroom's down the hall. I suggest you lose it, Use it quickly. For you don't want to disturb mother. I swear to fucking God. This guy's 70 years old and his mother's. She's like, she's not very friendly. I'm like, come on. Really? 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 This is happening. So I get into my PJs and I run down the hallway to brush my teeth at the bathroom. And I'm hurrying because I don't want to run into this woman. And I get, the, 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 hall, the hallway's pitch black. I mean, he gave his little tiny, like, pen lights to find her way around with. I swear to God. And I turned the corner, and literally this old woman seemed to just appear. You're not supposed to be out here. Get back in your room. And then she turned her, turned her heel and went down the hallway and closed the door. Now, I know she walked down there, but in my mind, in my memory, she literally just floated down there like, uh, boom. So I brushed my teeth and I ran back to the bedroom as quickly as possible. Well, the storm is raging outside still. And Preston and I are in our room, you know, in our tiny little single beds on the opposite side of the room. And I'm trying to sleep and I can't because it's disturbing. These puppets are everywhere. They're staring at me. And I hear Preston say, Patrick, why is it Preston? I'm scared. Preston's a huge guy, a huge manly man. He goes, I'm scared. I'm like, me too. And then we laugh about it. Ha 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 ha, ha, ha 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 lightning crash. How long are we supposed to be here? And I said, I think four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> lightning. Patrick, can I tell you something? Why is it Preston? I'm afraid to unpack my bags. I said, You know what? So am I. He goes can I ask why? And I said, do you promise not to laugh at me? He says, yeah. And I say, honestly, I'm afraid to open up the closet door and find his wife in there hanging on marionette strings. He goes, oh my God, that's exactly what I was thinking. And we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. <laughs> There's a lightning crash and we weren't laughing anymore. Needless to say, we contacted the producer the next day and we did not stay any longer in the house. We shouldn't have been there. They weren't hospitable. The guy was in mourning. It was not a good scenario. But on top of that, it was an evil puppet house. And I know that had we stayed, we would have had our souls sucked out, and we would be hanging there in the guest room right now. A little Patrick Puppet and a little Preston Puppet. And that Patrick Puppet would be fierce.
5: Hello. Hello. Yeah.
1: Who is it? Well, who did you think you were calling? What phone number did I call Why don't you tell me what number you think you dialed? I'm not sure. Well, then you probably have the wrong number. Oh, did I really? No problem, man. Take it easy. Hello? I guess I did get the wrong number. (laughs) Then why do you keep dialing it? Bye. Not so fast. What? I just want to talk to you for a minute. They have numbers you can call for that. They're about three dollars a minute. So why are you in such a hurry to stop talking to me? Who is this? You tell me your cock-size, I'll tell you mine.
6: <sighs>
1: Did you happen to notice there's not a 1-900 in front of this number? But
2: you're starting to sound more interesting. So what's that sound? I'm making popcorn.
6: Popcorn's only good for the movies. Oh, well I'm about to watch a video. Oh, what kind of movie? Just a
1: hot porno. So you like porno? doesn't. All that cock. What's your all-time favorite
2: toy? I don't know. I've seen so many. If you want Attack the 13-inch cock. You know, the one with the guy with the 13-inch cock. So what's your favorite fuck call, stranger?
1: Yeah. So, do you have a
2: date tonight? Why, do you want to ask me
1: out? Possibly. that's what you Why do you want to know that? I'd just like to know who I'm watching. Could you repeat that? I said, I'd like to know who I'm talking to. That's not what you said. What do you think I said? Wait, wait. I thought we were going to I changed my mind. Don't hang off on me.
5: No, you listen. You hang over with me one more time, I'm going to shove my dick up your ass. What do you want from me? See what your hard cock
0: tastes like. Ah, the screenwriting of gay pornography at its finest. Tag of the 13-inch cock. It's about the guy with the 13-inch cock. Clever. Clever. And really, what goes better with pornography than popcorn, right? It, what could be sexier? You know, between the butter... And the salt, I mean, the butter might be okay, but the salt, you're asking for a rash. And did anyone else notice that the phone never rang once? He's answering a phone that's not ringing. Genius. Anyway, it's time for the uh, listener feedback. And I didn't want to segue into anybody's voicemail message, because that would have just been awkward out of that, right, Zombart? Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say congratulations to George and Michael out in Phoenix, Arizona, who got married this week? Yay! Time the knot. Oh, that's very nice. So uh, I'm a little pissed off that I wasn't asked to be in the bridal party or to jump out of anybody's bachelor cake, but that's all right. Your message
5: uh, speaks to us as if we're idiots, which, you know, I guess in its defense some of us are. But after, you know, the whole you've reached the scream queens, leave your message, blah, 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 a little voice, this woman's voice comes out and it's like, Please leave your message after the beep. When you're done, hang up. What the hell am I going to do? I, am, I, am I just going to sit there for like an hour? I don't know, Jay. You're Granted, kind of stupid. I believe Metal Mikey did that to us once, if I'm not mistaken. And then he sang some King Diamond in the background. Look, Patrick, it's Why Jason. Why you do something interesting like that? I just wanted to call and, and assure you that I put the little girl back. I didn't keep her. uh uh-huh. Yeah, she screamed at first, okay. I get it. Have you seen me? But when she started screaming, I 100%. put her back and I left. And then I just went back to, you know, walking around the gate and glaring at the little kids like I usually do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be that creeped out. Um, funny thing. Uh, Spanky, our good friend Spank Dog, actually listened to that episode and he called me and he was cracking up. He was like, I didn't even hear the scream at first until Patrick rewound it. And there it was, and I started laughing. Uh-huh. And uh, I happened to be on the phone with him at approximately the same time of day as I had been when I called your show. So I was once again going to pick my son up uh, from school, and as I walked by the playground, uh, another little girl apparently screamed, and Spanky lost it. He's like, I swear I just heard her again. I was like, well, I am here picking up my son, and uh, I think she saw me. So I don't know. Uh, I got nothing really. um non-horror related. We went saw the movie Faster. That's the new uh Dwayne "The Rock" Johnson movie. Uh, uh it's also got uh Billy Bob Thornton in it and some other people. It's okay. It's it's not great. Um but it's okay. Uh it starts out really a lot better than it ends. Um <clears throat> towards the end they get some really bad dialogue and uh there's a character in the movie called The Killer that is completely pointless. Like, his his entire role could have been written out of this film, and it would not have affected the film, I don't think he at pacifist? all. Uh, but they he's, he's a big enough character that they tried to give him I don't... Because none of the, char- the main characters don't have names. There's the driver, the cop, <laughs> and the killer. It's, the deuce and, uh, it's a revenge flick. Straight up a revenge flick. This person who wrote it, who I didn't... Obviously has a huge heart on. For uh, the Kill Bill movies, um, probably Way of the Gun and a few others like it. Uh, but it's okay. Uh, I, I was entertained, you know, I enjoyed myself. But I wouldn't say by any means it's a good film. Uh, but it had good things, I guess. Uh, the only horror movie I've watched as of late uh, it was, I, I tried to watch a film on Netflix Instant it's called Black Swarm. I think Brother D talked about it once. Um, Black what? I think it might have been made for a sci-fi movie. I'm not even sure.
0: Oh, Black Swarm. Uh,
5: but it it was so effing boring. I mean, just boring. There's about these wasps that get inside of you and turn you into a drone. And occasionally people would just explode into wasps, and they were kind of zombie-like. <laughs> like but do. it was boring. I couldn't recommend it. But watching it, it did it did have one Mr. Uh, Robert England in it, and uh, well. I got to thinking, and I, I see what everybody else out there thinks. Uh, there's rumor of a monsters Munsters movie kind of like the Addams family was done years ago.
1: Uh-huh. There's rumor
5: of a Munsters film being made and uh, watching Robert Grandpa? England I, it, it struck me that he should absolutely play Grandpa Munster. yeah uh, I just I was just uh, curious what everybody else that. thought about that um, and I think the obvious choice would be Brad Garrett for uh, Herman Munster really because no 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 oh he's kind of Fred Gwynish, right? Anyway, don't watch Black Storm. I have no idea what you're talking about this week, but it doesn't matter. I never know what show you're going to be talking about. I still listen because, let's face it, dude, you say some funny ass stuff. I, (laughs) you know, it's just worth listening. Anyway, we love you. We love the show. Keep doing it, and remember to always stay awesome. I'm hanging up now, like the voice message said.
0: Okay, Jay Emmett from Wrecking Crew Radio. Thank you so much for calling in, as always. Way to go, Jay. Way to go. I'm so impressed that you managed to follow up your first call from last week with a second call that's even creepier than the first creepy call. That was a really long-winded way to say, ew, Jay. All right, for those of you who are listening for the first time, let me just say that the Scream Queens with a Z horror podcast is not in endorsed child abuse or, 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 or kidnapping in any way. Jay's creepy. Jay's voicemail last week. He was picking his kids up from school, and just before he hung up, a girl screamed, Can I help it if I have ears like the bionic woman? No, I cannot. And I'm just reporting the news. I'm not endorsing it. So if that's what you're doing, Jay, I'm telling everybody. All right, the voicemail message. The lady on the voicemail message, Jay, you don't like her? You think she's redundant? That's my mom. Yeah, you know, but she's been feeling down since she broke her hip, and she wasn't feeling particularly worthy in the world, of having no place with no kids to raise anymore. And, you know, I just gave her a little job to make her feel better. I'm just sort of pass it along that you think she's useless and should be discontinued. I don't give a flying fuck about Faster. This is Scream Queens. Scream Queens. That's not my scene. So pretty much after you said <debuted> huge hard on, I was like, all I heard was until you got to Black Swarm. And yeah, I th- I remember they talked about that on Mail Zombie too because yeah, brother D made Miss Bren watch it because she loathes bees, and he's just such a nice guy. Being lured into watching it by Robert England, you should know better. That man will be in anything, or anyone apparently, but. <laughs> Robert Anglin signing on to a project is no guarantee of its quality. I mean, he's always good, but come on. He's been in some shit, and apparently this was one of them. I'm with you on Robert Anglin, on Grandpa, no way on Brad Garrett, and I'm just being the Hollywood producer type because he's got no star cred. Nobody's going to be packing in the seats to see Brad Garrett, except maybe Brad Garrett's mom and you, and whatever little girl you have stuffed in your tote bag when you go see the movie. Okay, creep myself out. Thanks for calling, Jay. And now we can go to Zombart. Patrick, it's Bart. Uh-huh.
6: Zombart. You're 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 <laughs> you're my podcaster, so I think you should know. I've I've, I've killed a lot of people, some girls in my apartment uptown, uh, uh, some homeless people, maybe five or ten, an NYU girl I met in Central Park, I I left her in a (laughs) a parking lot behind some donut shop, (laughs) and and, and, and I killed Emily, my old girlfriend, with a nail gun, and some some man, uh, some faggot, (laughs) who was a dog last week, I uh, I killed another girl with a chainsaw, I had to, (laughs) she almost got away. (laughs) Someone else I can't remember, maybe a model. uh, But but she's dead too. And and Brian Walford, I I killed Brian Walford with an axe in the face. His body is dissolving in a bathtub in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Um, uh, I don't want to leave anything out here. Um, I guess I've killed maybe 20 people, maybe 40. I uh, I have uh, tapes of it. Um. (sighs) <sighs> uh, some of the girls have seen the tapes. I even uh, I, I ate some of their brains and tried to c- cook a little. To, to t- tonight I, I uh, <laughs> I just had to cuddle a lot of people and uh, <laughs> I I I'm not sure I'm gonna get away with it this time. Uh, I guess I'll uh, I mean uh. <laughs> I guess I'm pretty I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. So if you if if you get if you get back tomorrow I I make sure I'll be So you know uh keep your eyes open.
0: Um Okay. What the fuck was that? Zombart. You need to put down the pipe and not use the phone when you're sketching, okay? Okay, because that wasn't attractive. But it was under 14 minutes, so I am appreciative of that. That's the that's the upside of speed. That was weird, Zombard. What the fuck? You know what? Save your monologue auditions for the casting directors because don't call us. We'll call you. But if you don't call me, then I won't hear any of this. So call me and I won't call you. Deal, deal. Okay, you know what? I can't follow that up with anything. There's no possible segue out of that, so I guess I'm just going to wrap up the show for this week. Thank you all very much for joining me. And if you want to be like Zombart but in a sane way, give me a call in at 347-767-3509. Or you can write me at crew at ScreamQueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter. You can like me on Facebook. You can even friend me on the Xbox. Red Menace NYC. That's with a space in between. Now, unfortunately, Screamers, next weekend is my concert. Well, not unfortunately for, you know, the world in general, but unfortunately for the show. My time's going to be really short over the next seven days. However, I'm going to do my best to get something out to you. It's probably not going to be a full episode, but it's going to be something, and it's going to be something great, goddammit, because you deserve it! But I also wanted to let you know that before the year is out, right here on Scream Queens, the podcast where heart gets bent, we are going to be having a huge gala event. That's right. For in two weeks' time, we will be crowning the first ever Scream Queen Lifetime Achievement Award winner. Ah! Now, this is going to go to one of these ladies in film, not the big names that always win these awards, the ones you always think of, but those secondary gals who've devoted an entire life to the genre and always given a great performance and maybe not have gotten the recognition they deserve. God damn it, until now. And you know what? If you can write me and let me know who you think you should win, and I'm going to ignore it because I've already picked my winner, but who knows? Maybe next year. Anyway, it's going to be fantastic. No TR for them, but fantastic. Anyway, until I see you again, continue to make the world a creepier place for everyone you know. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, if you say Merry Christmas to me one more time, I'm gonna kick you right in the
5: ding ding. Bye! I got
1: hunting for witches.
0: Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs> so another one might not be into. of I not a bit